Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Joe, we are live. Holy smokes. This weather sucks, Sean Ross Sapp, but you know what? It's a podcast. It's a Tuesday. It's the Holy Smokes podcast. I'm super excited to talk about a whole bunch of stuff that went down last weekend that's going to go down this weekend. People saying bad things, Conor McGregor. We'll Mm. talk about that momentarily. Don't piss off Cain Velasquez when it comes to talking about Daniel Cormier and his Former opponent John Jones taking certain performance-enhancing drugs. We will get to that. Uh, Artem Lobov has been up and down with what he wants to do with his career. We will get into that. People may say all they can say all they want that he's not an exciting fighter. People talk about him, whether they like it or not. Sean, people talk about it. Demetrius Johnson uh, is is not a genius. He's just someone that went to rocket science school uh, when it comes to MMA and explains the importance and the secrecy uh, or his secret of longevity. And it's not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. Sean and I will get into that momentarily. Uh, of course, UFC signs Olivia Renata Souza, a badass at 125, 115 pounds. Uh, wait till you see her. How she'll do in the division, we'll see. We'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, a while ago, and I mean a while ago, when Vitor Belfort first came out and said, listen, man, I'd love to see a Masters division or a Legends division, uh, Sean Ross Sapp's instant reply and Sean Pearson's instant reply, yeah, it's called Belfort, to which I replied to both of them, are we going to see a Vitor Belfort versus Vanderlei Silva rematch? Lo and behold, that is beginning to make headlines right now. So much to talk about in the show, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you very much for joining us. As always, top right of your screen, we do have the live chat. Sean Ross Sapp, what's going on, my man? You know, I finally gave in. I'm sporting the headband full-time now. I just can't deal with it. I did a breaking news video, I think it was yesterday, on Jeff Jarrett. I have one up today on William Regal talking about – he put over a couple matches on TLC, and my hair was a mess. And this is far less distracting than whatever is up here until I grow it out. Now, that being said, you know, I usually like to wear, like, a button-up or a polo on the shirt – on the show. I'm wearing – the Kentucky Wildcat zip-up. I am impressed by your Nike polo, and I'm going to buy one. 
Uh, this was a something that was custom made for us at Sportsnet. Uh, Son went, of a bitch! <laughs> no, in all seriousness, um, I, I went through my closet and I was kind of like, I know I've got lots of polos that they gave me during when we used to do our stand-ups, and I bet you I haven't even worn once on the Fightful podcast. So I went through my closet and I found, honestly, like four or five of them. This one had a tag on it still. God! So I had never worn it. I'm like, I like this thing. This well, what size cool. you wear? What size you wear, Joe? Medium to large, but this oh, is you, you just just mail them one down. Just mail them <laughs> down. Absolutely. Are, are you are you in that that area where I am? Like it's between medium or large. Like some of the larges you put on look like they're falling off of you, but some of the mediums, if you bring your shoulders in, good luck. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm I'm in between there. I, I get it. It happens. Not all manufacturers have the exact same measurements, but you know, sometimes I tell people, "What size? You know, what shirt do you wear, Joe?" It's yeah. large, uh, medium, uh, and then I'll I'm like, if I could try it on, it'd be great. But uh, I'm somewhere cross between a medium and a large. I used to be an extra large, believe it or not, almost a double XL. I was a uh, quote unquote, as my friends would say, it, a fat guy right after I got married. So yeah, that's what happens. But uh, getting older, working out, doing my thing. Nike's the worst about it too, and all I wear is Nike. Like when it comes to athletic, I wear on it too. I love on it, and of course, our great shirts over at prowrestlingtees.com slash fightful. But uh, I've, otherwise, I'm Nike everything. So wish they would they would get on those sizes. But we have plenty of MMA to talk about. We got a a, a sneaky good show this this weekend that we will be covering uh, next Tuesday. But yeah, it's gonna it's we got we got plenty to talk about. Yeah. Um, where do you want to go? Do you want to start off with the UFC Gantt stuff um, in terms of the callouts, or do you want to talk about? Oops, yeah, it seemed like it seemed like everybody was calling somebody out, which I like. I, I spoke about my affection for that Mike Perry <laughs> run in at the end of that show, but Carolina Kavolkovich was she called out Jessica Andrade. Uh, they, they, I'll have to look at, at some of the other ones, um, but I think that's good. That needs to happen. And more guys need to step up and, and say who they want to fight. Jan Blachowicz called out uh, Shogun Hua. Like, okay, that fight had never entered my brain waves. Uh, Brian Kelleher wants to fight John Lineker. I can't remember a show where either in the cage or when speaking to the media, so many people who, uh, many of which didn't have any real direction, said, okay, here's my direction. I think it's so important, and I've always said it. It's so important. No, I shouldn't say I. You and I have uh, – we've talked about it until the amount of plaque and or anything that's stuck on our teeth falls out, including our teeth, and we've always talked about the importance of the post-fight interview. That is when all eyeballs are on you, not the post-fight press conference because the numbers will decrease. Not when you do an interview with any website out there, including Fightful.com, Fightful MMA, your social media. No, the most amount of eyeballs is that post-fight interview, and that's an opportunity – a very small time frame to get a lot out and to really get people talking about what you potentially want next. So when these fighters do it at that time, I really like it. And and you got to give kudos also to the to you know the Dan Hardys, the Brian Stans, the John Annex, anyone in Rogan, uh, anyone that does the post fight interview and says, "Who do you want next?" Because it's being served up to you, Sean, on a silver platter. Now you have the opportunity. And we saw what happened with Darren Till. Uh, you know, the question was asked, and 
first time ever, guy loses his marbles, leaves Dan Hardy standing in the middle of the octagon and beelines right to Mike Perry. Everybody, including their sister, now calling, uh, is it Ponzinibbio that he's, that, uh, thinks fighting right now? Uh, you know, uh, a, a third wheel, uh, the, the, the wrong date to have that evening. Everyone's talking about Perry and Till because Till and Perry realize, you know what? This is the fight to have right now. And, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, he, um, um, Mike Perry signed on with someone else. But yeah, I, kudos to every one of them that said, boom, this is who I want to fight next. This is what's on the docket. I love it because it gives us the opportunity to talk about it, further the storyline, and dissect it. Yeah. And, and now it's got you know, the Ponzinibbio is like a third wheel here that could really put, well, you know, you know what? I think if Mike Perry loses that fight, you could still put him against Darren Teal. Why not? Yeah, like, why not? Sure. What would, what would keep them from doing that? Like, what, is that fight not going to be good or something? Of course it's going to be good. Uh, and Ponzinibbio very well could beat Mike Perry. I might actually favor him in, in doing so. But, yeah, that's that's quite, I mean, and Darren Teal just debuted at number eight in that division, by the way. Uh, Donald Cerrone drop down uh to uh, drop down three spots to number nine as i look at these these rankings that pushed our your boy kamaru usman back to 12 but darren teal actually leaped mike perry and santiago ponzinibbio in these rankings i think it pushed mike perry out ironically and uh colby covington who fightful.com spoke to is at number seven so ooh man like we were talking a couple weeks ago how there's not a lot of clarity in this division. It's coming very, very quickly, and the interest is coming very, very quickly because, like, we we were – do you remember – I mean, Joe, just, just like a month ago, we were like, yeah, Tyron Woodley could take that time off. He's fought a lot over the past year. There's no clear cut. And then all of a sudden it's like Condit wants to come back. Oh, yeah, Thompson's going to fight. Condit's going to fight. Now Darren Teal beat Cerrone. And uh, Kamaru Usman is booked, and Ponzinibbio versus Perry is booked. That welterweight division is starting to look an awful lot like that lightweight division to me in that it was quiet for a long time with this abundance of talent that didn't really move a lot, and now it's all happening at once. I really, really like it. Well, it was just a matter of time. Right, it's just a matter of time because you take a look at that division there, 155 and 170 historically uh, is where the average men – is going to slide into the average size man. Again, I'm getting these 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 numbers from from Fightnomics, and I keep looking over to my right. You guys can see it, uh, but these are the numbers and and the stats of where the average man who will cut weight in mixed martial arts will fall into. That is at lightweight, and that is at welterweight. So at the welterweight division, it's just a matter of time um, before contenders start again emerging or names with a few victories again start emerging uh, and putting Tyron Woodley on notice or, or having Tyron Woodley at least. Maybe not publicly say it, but come out and be like, I got to pay attention to that guy. Oh, I got to pay attention to that guy. So uh, it is what it is. I'm really intrigued by this Colby Covington, Damian Maya fight. I'm sure we'll get into it uh, momentarily. Super intrigued because, you know, Covington is the favorite heading into this fight. Damian Maya, the underdog. Uh, and you know me and my odds. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Um, yeah. th- there, you know, there are a lot of people uh, in this division at 170 pounds that are going to wreak havoc. Uh, I mean, on our live chat right now, don't forget, guys, girls, top right of your screen on the YouTube page. The live chat is there. Feel free to give us your thoughts. I mean, Vinny Fernando uh, and Ole Samuele are all about RDA. And I'm like, eh, I like it. I think RDA is fantastic, although I'm trying to remove my personal bias, Sean Rossap, and you know it's, it's very difficult. But Kamara called him out. I want to see that fight. 
Yeah, had Kamaru put together a couple of wins that in a row that were really exciting, I think they would have. Dos Anjos and Lawler is is an interesting one to me because I mean I I don't want to see Lawler fight Woodley again. I really don't. Like I I don't really have any interest in that if he wins. So ugh, I think that for for a couple of years that division was stuck on a treadmill where the same couple of guys were fighting for this title and they're hopping right back on that treadmill. And and I mean hell, it even continued through this year with Woodley and Wonderboy. And before that, it was it was uh, Lawler and Hendricks. And Hendricks fought for the title a couple of times. And yep. I just I just think that... Uh, well, that fight, though, with, with Robbie Lawler and RDA, I mean, it's a, tell me if I'm wrong, but and, and, and everyone listening or watching right now, tell me if I'm wrong. That fight is very simple. Lawler wins, that hype train of RDA stops. It's, it stops at Robbie Lawler. If RDA wins, that dude gets a title shot. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, RDA is is unique because like where he he doesn't have necessarily the pedigree of a lot of the other welterweights, but he has a better pedigree at lightweight. He's got familiarity. He had the experience of going through a press tour with Conor McGregor, so that gained him a lot of exposure <laughs> as well. He beat Tarek Safety and Neil Magny. He beats Robbie Lawler. That's his biggest win, in my opinion, since, gosh, maybe Anthony Pettis. Pettis. Yep, Pettis. Yeah, because he beat Cerrone, but Cerrone is, he's, I don't want to call him a gatekeeper, but he's that guy who is going to sometimes reach that level, that title shot level. But, I mean, I'm okay with them putting, uh, Woodley versus Dos Anjos, that ain't going to sell a damn thing. Like, <laughs> It'll it'll get about one hundred and seventy five thousand alone on a pay per view. Uh, That's gonna be co main event. Yeah, it, it'd probably co main event things. But well, yeah, can you sure. imagine if if Tyron Woodley? It, we take a look at that Carlos Condit fight, Sean, and what he did to Carlos Condit, and if he continued and, and the Koscheck fight, and if he continued to finish off guys the way he did in the first or the second round, this guy would be considered one of the most dominant fighters in mixed martial arts today because that type of fighter, those types of victories will instill fear into people. And especially the, the paying public and the viewing public, they'll be like, dude, I want to watch every Tyron Woodley fight because that dude hurts people and he finishes people as opposed to Tyron, even publicly stating, look, man, I just got to defend my belt. He's given, belt. he's given no real financial incentive to try to finish that fight. Okay. So he gets, an extra fifty thousand if he gets a bonus. Okay, well, if he loses, well, that's uh, what ten to twenty thousand off of his Reebok pay every single time that he fights, mm-hmm. because the champions get forty and challengers get thirty. Everybody else of his level gets twenty. So that's okay. He's guaranteed that extra twenty thousand if he keeps winning. Then we don't know if he's cut into pay per view. If he's off. If he's not on the show as a champion, well, he's still going to cut of that. Man, it's just it's it's you got to give them an incentive to finish. Besides, well, maybe fifty thousand. I would structure it like this. I would say, well, it depends on what you want. I would specifically bonus for the finish. I would do a win bonus, a show, well, your show money, your win money, finish bonus, and then maybe even a round, and that. Yeah, that may 
dissuade some dominance in these divisions, but it might promote and encourage some excitement. Yeah, I've always been of the fact that A, pay the fighters more money, uh, but also incentivize them. You get a finish in round one, you get this much. You get a finish in round two, you get this much. You get a finish in the third round, you get this much. It goes to a decision, you get a flat rate. You could be real demented and be like, hey, Colby Covington, $200,000 bonus if you submit Damian Maya. Right? (laughs) Like, that's really demented. Like, but if the UFC really wanted to push somebody, you know what I mean? Like, okay. Uh, put put it in there. Okay, you're fighting Conor McGregor, Tony. So here's what here's what we'll do. Three hundred thousand dollar bonus if you knock him out within two rounds. Well, then Tony Ferguson's going to be more incentivized to stand up. But I mean, you kind of had that with like the Kimbo Slice Elite XC thing, where Seth Petrozelli kind of made some accusations. But I mean, I don't. I don't see anything wrong with incentivizing people to stand up or go to the ground or anything like that, especially for a nice chunk of change. I don't know. I think they can get creative with it. It is kind of slimy now that I think about it. It is. I was just going to mention it because we're going to tie this into the Demetrius Johnson uh, comments a little bit later. Uh, But I guess we can, before we get to the Sao Paulo card, this brings us to the point of, you know, incentivizing people, for example, to stand and bang, which is what Artem Lobov wants. He wants. He says he's basically done with mixed martial arts because he doesn't. Because people don't want to stand and bang; they just want to take him down on the ground and prevent him from standing and banging, aka Quentin Rampage Jackson. This is mixed martial arts. I don't want to sit there and stand and bang with someone that hits like a truck. Artem hits hard, so I'm taking it down to the ground. That's what fighters are going to do. They're going to take the fight wherever they feel they're going to take less damage, and where they may be more strong in that fight and taking Artem down to the ground. If you're a better grappler is the right idea. So I get what Artem is saying. He says he wants to now go to boxing. And if that Pauly fight, Pauly Malinaji fight is available to him, he'd be more than happy to take it. Although he even admitted Pauly's probably not going to make much money fighting Artem Loboff. Although if you put Conor McGregor as, as uh, Loboff's sports entertainment wrestling manager, uh, they'll sell a whole bunch because they'll, you know, Conor will talk oh himself God. into a fight. So, but yeah, I mean, what do you make of the whole Artem Loboff situation? Well, Pauly Malinaji spoke about when he watched Connor spar Artem and he was like, Connor would have gotten better use out of hitting a bag. And wow. I, I, you know, I, I doubt a lot of the things that Malinaji says. I don't doubt that as it pertained to the Mayweather fight. Sure. I get it. Connor has a soft spot for Artem. And I think that that loyalty speaks volumes about Connor as a person in that regard. Now, some of the things that he said afterwards, which we'll get into, eh. Artem is high off his ass if he thinks that any fight besides one with Pauly will do any semblance of any type of number. Any. Any. If I were if I were the UFC, I'd be like, Pauly, come over here and fight Artem. Like, give that a go. Because if you tell Artem, keep it on the feet, he'll probably do it. Yeah. I don't think that would look good for him either, but I can I see either. that. I don't either. Well, I don't know. Maybe he kicks Malinaji one time and, you know, you know how you see people when they get kicked in the leg and it sweeps their whole body underneath them? Yep. I get the feeling that would happen to Malinaji. Uh, Malinaji ain't going to fight MMA. Artem Lobov isn't going to box at anything resembling even a low level. He'll fight some some dork 
and probably lose. That's that's about the extent of it, I think. Yeah, and and you know after his fight uh, on Saturday uh, against um, Andre Shealy, he was consoled afterwards by Conor McGregor. But Conor decided, uh, or not decided, just simply used uh, a homophobic slur twice uh, in describing Shealy. Um, just a bad look. Yeah, again, it's something that comes up, and I. Uh, I, I talk to people all the time outside of here uh, and we discuss certain things. And even I'm at the point, I'm like with my own, you know, friends or friends of friends. I'm like, dude, you can't be talking like that around me. You can't say that stuff around me because if someone's someone recognizes me and they want a picture or they want to record something, blah, blah. And you're dropping the F bomb, not the uh, F-U-C-K bomb, but describing a homosexual like that. You can't do you can't do that. Not around me. And. Guys like Conor McGregor, I know that Michael Bisping has used it in press conferences before. Other fighters have used it in press press conferences before. I'm at, I'm at a loss for words sometimes, Sean. That they don't realize that they you can't say that. You can't do that. You know, and and it's funny because I think it was about a, about two months ago. I'm sitting there working out, and I, I went into this. I want to listen to some old school gangster rap, and I had NWA on, and I'm telling you the stuff that Ice Cube and Ren and they were saying, Dr. Dre was saying on, on, on those records back in the day, ooh, they were using a lot of homo, homo, oh my God, homophobic slurs. I was like, oh my, you can't ever play this. Like, this is crazy. Yeah, okay. So one of my favorite comedians in the world is Dave Chappelle. And he kind of famously disappeared in 2006. And the world then was a much different place. And one of the reasons he left was because of the social aspects of some of the skits he was asked to do. I got to see him do a live performance a couple of years ago. It was on my, my bucket list. And this year, Netflix dropped like three specials of his that he had filmed over the, over the past few years. And some of the, the stuff he said, I'm like, yeah, you, you can tell he, he's been doing live shows because he's great. But you can tell that he hasn't had this. Like yeah. – where we're going out to the world and anybody can click and watch because some of the stuff I'm, I, I heard him say, I was like, didn't age well. And you could see him kind of learn that as the specials went on, that some of that hadn't aged well. Conor McGregor should have known better after the Mayweather McGregor pressers that this type of stuff can't fly. And people are going to say, Oh, PC cucks and snowflakes. and uh. No, you just, What's the point? And what what good can that do? Is he promoting something by doing that? Is he going to get? Is he? What is there to gain from doing that in his position? It's just there's there's nothing, no point in it. As Stone Osborne said, cameras are always rolling, always rolling. Did you see like a few years ago when Justin Bieber got caught dropping the n bomb? Yeah, I'm like, and even his like his friends that are there that. His hangers on, like the leeches were there listening to him. And they're like, "No, Justin, can't do it. Don't do that. Like, why would you do that? When when you say something so bad that even your hangers on, your yes men are like, no. If you say something so bad that your yes men turn to no men, that's that's rough. And I, I I think Conor McGregor at his core is a pretty good dude. I, agree. I like there's there's not a whole lot of indication to say that he's like this malicious, horrible dude. And have I said that word and said stuff that I regret in my younger days? Oh, hell yeah, I did. Uh, Joe, there's stuff that pops up on my Facebook on this day from like 11 years ago. And I'm like, uh, let me delete that forever. 
Like, I can't believe that I said that. I can't believe that I acted that way. I can't believe that I thought that was the mature way to go about things. Sometimes people just take longer to mature. And I'm sure he's in a major maturing phase right now. But uh, I hopefully, I hope that um, he apologizes for it. I hope that he comes out and rectifies that because that that's a bad look. Yeah, I mean, I don't... <clears throat> And thinking about my own youth, I mean, there were it was a different era. It was a different time. I mean, when when I'm sitting there rhyming off NWA songs using those words, um, you know, it's 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 never. I don't think it was ever meant. How do I say it? It was never meant to hurt anyone or insult anyone. I'm just rhyming off lyrics. But that there, I grew up in an era when when that slur or those slurs were just common amongst everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can vividly remember with a, a Canadian UFC fighter. Uh, obviously he's a black guy and you know, we're in Minnesota and he's calling me the N word from across the street. Like, what's up? N word ending in an A. I mm-hmm. thought I heard ER a few times and I was like, dude, no, please don't. We're in a restaurant. Craziness is going on. And this is my N. And I'm like, yeah. Right. So, I mean, he meant no harm. Right. But I'm like, public image, public image. I can't. People could be recording this. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. I know we've been drinking, but please don't. So it, I, I can see it. And, and to this day and age, I mean, talk to any of the people that I know, sometimes they're dropping words where I'm like, you can't say that around me, man. Please don't. Like, especially if there's kids in the other room, just don't. Just don't do it. So, but these athletes, some way, somehow, it doesn't matter if they're Conor McGregor. You can mention any of the top athletes, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, George St. Pierre, uh, champions like Michael Bisping, Stipe Miocic, other sports. Pick any one of the stick and ball sports, the top guys uh, or girls. They should all know better that when they are in public, don't say certain things. You can't say it. I'm very fortunate to have a lot of friends from different backgrounds and you know, think things of that nature. And I always just, when, whenever I see somebody saying something like that, or I think is what, it, is what I'm thinking or what I'm saying, is it okay? I'm like, how would they feel? How would they feel if this were said to them? How would they react after what they've been through? And, you know, it's, it's just, it's pointless. There's, there's no, there's no, yeah, there's no point. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Continuing on the discussion, um, actually, I want to get to Demetrius Johnson a little bit later because I want to segue it back uh, to Artem Lobov uh, and wanting to box uh, and wanting to stand and bag. I want to take a look real quickly here at Saturday's show here. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, Derek Brunson is taking on the returning Leota Machida, who's been, uh, who hasn't competed, I, I think, since 1984. Somewhere around that time there. It's been a long time since Leota Machida uh, has competed. And for those of you that take everything I say seriously, that's a joke, by the way. Uh, Brunson Machida, even though the fact that Leoto hasn't competed in quite some time, he's not that much of an underdog. He's a plus 150 underdog to Derek Brunson's minus 170. What say V? Well, his suspension was bad. It was bad. It was one of USADA's big flubs. He hasn't fought in like two and a half years. He hasn't won in almost three years. Like, it's just, I'm not excited for the fight. I'm never excited for Leoto Machida fights. I, you, you could always say that, you know, you, you can appreciate his style. I don't appreciate his style. I, I, when he's aggressive, I do because his fights are exciting and he most usually wins them when he's, when he's aggressive is the irony. 
but I, I don't think I have ever appreciated the Lyoto Machida style. That being said, if Derek Brunson fights the way that we have seen him sometimes fight, like I think against Robert Whitaker, uh, he's losing that fight because a counter striker, the level of Lyoto Machida is not going to allow a mistake like that go by him. I don't care how long it's been since he's lost. There are just some guys like that, like an Anderson Silva, like, like a, like a Lyoto Machida, like they don't care how old they are. If they get presented a great counter opportunity like that, they're going to take advantage of it. Oh man, this is a, this is a little tougher because we don't know how Lyoto Machida is going to look because it's been so long since we've seen him. And Derek Brunson is consistently inconsistent. Like he'll go through these patches where he looks like he could beat almost anybody in the UFC. Then he'll go through these patches where he looks like he looks terrible. Machida's 39, Sean. Let's not yeah. forget that. He's 39. And and the first thing that usually that goes on fighters is their speed. Speed is also reaction time. Power will stay, but the execution of speed and footwork and and the ability to to slip punches, be, get out of the way, diminishes with age. So, like you said, it remains to be seen how Leota Machida will look at this age being off for so long. The co-main event, Damian Maia taking on Colby Covington, uh, who we did speak to uh, earlier on, or who we did, um, Fightful did contact, or be in contact with him. Damian Maia is the underdog in this fight. I'm wondering if this is mainly because public perception or the bookie's perception is the fact that he did not have a wonderful performance in his title fight versus Tyron Woodley, that his stock value has all of a sudden diminished to the point that Colby Covington, who's had some pretty damn good fights, is a stronger asset heading into this uh, battle in the octagon, and therefore he should be the favorite. I respectfully disagree. I don't think Damian Maia really did anything to, to diminish his stock value with yours truly, although the fact that he wasn't able to strike as well as he should have, he's been in the game for so long, but his game is to take somebody down and submit them, get the backpack and submit them. He couldn't do that versus Tyron Woodley. we got to give credit to Tyron Woodley for not allowing him to do that or not or using his takedown defense the way he did. I mean, what say you of this matchup? So I've, I've often compared Damian Maya to a knuckleballer in baseball. Like, he's going to be able to do this until he's like 45, 46. Like, if he gets matched up with the right person, I don't know that his – I mean, his strength will decline. But I don't know that that skill will go anywhere that he has to, to be able to take someone down, backpack them, choke them out. The big thing is, can he avoid getting hit in doing so? Colby Covington is going to test that theory, I think. And at 29 years old, coming off of four straight wins, he's he's he knows he's right there. He knows he's very, very close. And he set himself up by talking all this trash on Tyron Woodley. Like he said in an interview with Fightful that Tyron Woodley's training is fairy tale bullshit because he's hanging out with CM Punk and the Pettis brothers. <laughs> I also wonder, like, okay, well, he's been taking some time doing a lot of pro wrestling stuff with Impact. Like, he's been filming a lot of stuff with them. He's going to be there a week after this. So I wonder if that's taken a little bit away. Because as we, you know, we, we used to have that conversation with Elias all the time. Like, where's your head at? Where's yeah. your head at? And they were in kind of not necessarily similar situations, but Elias on a big winning streak. Colby Covington on a big winning streak. 
Damian Maya is that kind of guy that I think that some people would look at eventually and be like, well, he's old, he's going downhill, but you can't do that with him. You can't do that with him because of that particular skill set. Like, he is still the guy that UFC one like showed us that you can be so dominant in one skill and take advantage of people's not, not even weakness, but just the fact that they're not as good at that one skill as you. So this is perhaps to me, the most interesting fight on the show. I think it probably should have headlined the show over Machida Brunson, honestly, but I get why they did it. Cause Machida is Machida. Listen, there's a few fights on this card that have me very intrigued. Uh, Trinaldo Miller, kind of, but Tiago Santos, Jack Hermanson definitely has my attention, as well as Antonio Carlos Jr. and Jack Marchman. That's going to be... Whew, I mean, we'll get to that in a moment here. Uh, other than the, on the main card, there's going to be six fights, apparently, on this main card, kicked mm-hmm. off by John Lineker uh, and Marlon Vera. John Great Lineker, fight. Great yeah, fight. Yeah. He's a massive favorite uh, heading into this fight. Again, not a, 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 I can't say that I agree with him being a minus 450 favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marlon Vera at plus, plus 360, that right there is a fun bet. I mean, Friday when I do my fun bets video, straight up, Marlon Vera plus 360 could be worth your money. Yeah. I mean, sure. Uh, there's a lot of John Lineker that we haven't seen tested in, in the manner that he, he should be tested. TJ Dillashaw did it. So yeah. there there is that, but he's always going to be that guy that you look at at 27. He's still just 27 and he just turned 27 a few months ago. That's crazy to think because he's been around forever. He's been around for five years, five and a half years. But, um, that fight is one I'm looking forward to. Another Bantamweight fight in Pedro Munoz and Rob Font is a really, really good looking one. Rob Font uh, is 4-1 and one in the UFC. Lineker is the only person that beat him. He's coming off of a performance of the night. And Pedro Munoz is a guy that, God, man, he's he's just one of those tough dudes that you look at and you're like, he's bound to lose, but it's going to be a battle getting there at some point. He's going to reel off these big streaks and stuff. Uh, he's... Won like five of his last six. I know one of them got overturned uh, because he had like like horse testosterone running through his eyeballs and stuff. But <laughs> that was pre-USADA. But he's had a couple of performance of the nights over the past year and a half. Uh, Russell Doan and Justin Scoggins. And that Scoggins win, like he put him away and he sent Scoggins packing. He was like, you, you better go back to flyweight, buddy. That's one I'm really looking forward to. There are some sneaky, like possibly good fights. Um, I don't look forward to middleweight fights anymore, but Antonio Carlos Jr. is one that I like to watch fight. So, Do you think that the fact that he's a minus 360 favorite um, is the fact that he – will he allow Marshman to do what he – You have one unheard message. <laughs> Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Likes to do. And the fact that, you know, if Antonio gets you down to the ground, it's almost game over. Yeah, and that's 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 something you're going to see with a lot of guys on this show, which is what you should see out of a Brazilian show. I mean, that's kind of the deal. Uh, but a lot of sneaky good fights on this show. Um, I, I wish I could watch it live, but but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fairly good show with some decent names, but I. Kind of wish somebody who had fought within the last two and a half years was headlining it. But, I, I mean, I could say that about <laughs> 217, too. But there, there's a reason for that. I don't think Machida is going to draw a ton of numbers. Maybe not even in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Do you I, notice I, there's not one woman's fight? I, I, I think attendance will be okay, but I don't think TV numbers will be that great. Do you notice there's not one woman's fight on this card? That's a first for a long, long yeah. time. All those guys yeah. that you talk about, those those creepos. Sorry, guys. No yeah. They, oh my gosh, I still get some. Like there was one person who I don't follow men's wrestling anymore, but and I don't follow men's MMA anymore. Okay, well then you're you're a weirdo if you're a dude and you're just a weirdo because there's no reason. You're a creep. <laughs> you're odd. Uh, I want to ask you to go up and down this card one more time. Take a look at it, and you tell me what will be Fightful's fight of the night. Oh, Lena Cervera. Lena Cervera. Yeah. I'm going to say. Oh, damn it! You took mine, Lena Cervera. I'm liking this Carlos Junior uh, Marshman fight. And or Carlos, well, Carlos Junior is a guy that they got to keep. They got to keep an eye on. Again, 27 years old as a middleweight, a lot of upside to him. He's lost one fight in his last, oh, let's see, six. And that that's his entire middleweight run. He did so well on the Ultimate Fighter. And the only person to beat him at light heavyweight was Patrick Cummins. And he, gosh, it's, gosh, he, it's weird to think he's competed at heavyweight, light heavyweight, and middleweight in the UFC. Right, I mean that that's yeah. that, that's insane as is. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of Sao Paulo, Brazil, UFC find or find <laughs> signed a fighter from the region, from the city, Livia Renata Souza, Victor FC champ, uh, who held the title for a bit, uh, nicknamed the Brazilian Gangster. If you've never seen her fight, find her, find her on live, do a search. Go to UFC Fight Pass, figure it out, take a look at her because she's going to bring some new blood uh, to this division. Uh, and I'm excited for her to make her debut. What do you think? Yeah, good signing for the UFC. Another girl who uh, is a proven commodity in that she is a former Invicta Strawweight champion, still young, 26 years old, uh, black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Her only loss is a split decision to Angela Hill, who went there and completely re- revamped her career. I like this signing. It's very good. It's somebody they can put on Brazilian cards like this one, which you know they they haven't done for 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 her, but they they just announced the signing. But 
that's good because it seems like of late their Brazilian signings have like slowed down and the overall success of high level success of Brazilians has slowed down uh, quite a bit as well. Yeah, well she's 11 and 1. Okay? Of those 11 victories, 9 or sorry, 7 have been by submission. Okay? 2 have been by TKO or KO. 9 of her victories have been finishes. When she won the title against Kacha, if I'm not mistaken, that was a fourth-round submission. She's got first-round submissions. She's got second-round submissions. She has a fourth-round submission. She will come to finish you. She'll do whatever she can to submit you. Uh, I am looking forward to her fighting because she brings it. She brings it. She may not have the big name just yet, Sean, but give her time. Depends on who they match her up against. Don't be surprised if it's Angela Hill. Uh, but yeah, it all depends on who she takes on first, but believe me, she brings it, uh, and she's a very exciting fighter. Uh, that only loss was to Angela. Again, that was a split decision. It was, it was a close fight. So I'm looking forward to her making her debut. They haven't announced who just yet, but I won't be surprised if it's Angela Hill. She already has some really good wins too. Like she changed Katya's life. Like, I don't think she was ever the same after, after that, that fight. Uh, same with Deanna Bennett. We haven't seen her look the same since she lost to Souza in January of 2016, I think. And she's got that win over Hamasaki earlier this year. And that's Hamasaki went in that fight 14 and one. Like you can say what you want about some of her, some of, uh, the competition of late of Hamasaki, but she's beaten a lot of people that, that would go on to compete in Invicta and UFC and stuff like that. So I think this is a real. Really good signing, one of the better signings uh, of the year by UFC. Looking forward to her making her debut. Um, Gerald Harris retires, but before he does that, he did. Oh God, I watched. It was gross, man. I, I watched the video. He it was slammed. Gross, dude. Typical Gerald Harris slam. That's what he's good at. He's fantastic at it. But this time, his opponent put his arm back. Apparently, his opponent asked him, "Where's the slam at?" Oh, well, Ooh. bad idea, bad idea. His retirement fight, um, I've talked about Gerald Harris a lot on this show. I He stuck with me on his season of The Ultimate Fighter. I thought he was a really likable dude. He was impressive. He would slam people and beat them. I remember they called him like mini Rampage and stuff like that. He fought and won the week that his brother died. He got himself back in the UFC by prank calling into a Dana White uh, radio appearance and got <laughs> – <laughs> got on there, said that he was knocked out in the first round of the Mikel Falco fight and then didn't know where he was for the rest of the fight. And because of that, that fight, he got cut. And after that, he was never given a real chance in the UFC. I did a story called Weathering the Storm, uh, the Gerald Harris, the, the Hurricane Gerald Harris story. It is on Fightful. Uh, check that out. It was last year ahead of his return in MMA. He retired after 2013 when he beat George Santiago and World Series of Fighting, we can give him a fight. Like he was supposed to fight Paul Harris. They pulled it from him. He was supposed to fight like I think Fitch. They pulled it from him. And he was like, Well, then I gotta retire, man. He came back. His opponent missed weight by 50 pounds. That's insane. And he still slammed him through the mat. Still slammed him through the mat. It is shot on the ultimate fighter redemption. He tore his Achilles. And then offered to step up at 185, offered to step up at 170, no dice from the UFC. I can't think of a guy outside of maybe Ian McCall who has had the door shut on him so many different times in such a sad, sad manner. The thing is, 
all due respect to Ian McCall, he says some kind of controversial stuff. Gerald Harris ain't there out there saying controversial stuff. He's a very he's he was a teacher. He's a comedian. He runs his own gym. He has a great head on his shoulders. He he's a good guy to just have around. He's done commentary. He wears a lot of different hats. Um, a dude who impression on me as a fan and then later as a writer. So uh, happy trails to him. And that slam was gross. Disgusting. Oh, my God. Love you, man. But I don't know how you even stayed in that cage afterwards. I would have been like, oh, my God. What did I just do? Um, surprised he never actually went to Bellator. Yeah, I am surprised that he never went to Bellator, and I'm surprised Bellator never reached out to him. But you know what? I wouldn't put it past me for Bellator to reach out to him, like, moving forward. But but I I had mentioned that to him, and he's like, I kind of see myself as a UFC guy, and I want to be in the UFC where I belong. People forget, man, he slammed David Branch through the mat, Mm -hmm. ESPN. Now think about this. On ESPN on that show was that slam. That was the same night as Carwin Lesnar. That was arguably that was one of my favorite shows of all time. You had Lytle and Matt Brown. You had Lieben and Akiyama. Lieben, who had fought two weeks prior, was trying to win the fight off of his back and uh, did end up winning the fight off his back. You had Lesnar and Carwin. You had uh, Brendan Schaub against Tushisher. Bonner Sazinski, because Bonner won that fight, and he like looked into the camera and had that blood running down his face. That may have been my favorite card altogether uh, of all time. There's a lot of really cool, fun moments on that show. Yeah, and that's that one when we first started doing these podcasts uh, over about a year ago. Uh, that was the, the card where it's actually still right now, Sean. Still right now. I look behind me, and that my media pass, that card there is the one that media pass keeps falling. It's the one yeah. that keeps sticking out. It's the one where I have to keep taking apart uh, <laughs> these frames, getting in there and re- re- readjusting it. I don't know what it is, but it is. I, I remember that card vividly uh, being there, and especially in that title fight. Oh, my God, Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin, what a fight that was. Uh, fantastic. And I mentioned Bellator to you um, for Gerald Harris. The, the talk of Vanderlei Silva saying, hey, Belfort wants to come here. Although Belfort did say he may have signed on to take someone uh, someone else on in January. Uh, but if Belfort does come to Bellator, Vanderlei Silva wants to be the one to welcome him. And he said that, listen, we all know that Vitor Belfort got lucky in their first fight. Back then, Vanderlei Silva stated that I didn't really break down my opponents, and I should have. And now I do, uh, but I'll knock him out this time. I'll hurt him if he ever comes to Bellator. I don't believe it. That simple. And if if they did fight, it wouldn't be until like 2020 because you know how Vanderlei does with fights that he – they don't happen for years until after – yeah. This guy. I'm sure he will. Do I think Vitor will go to Bellator? Yeah, I do. Because he's saying that his next UFC fight is his last. So I think he'll go to Bellator. Sure, why not? Do it. He could fight Chael there too. Yeah, why not? Get her done. Sure. I, I mean, I Take like it. Money. Um, Bellator says their, their, their main events could be going to five rounds. Not sure I like that. Still don't like it to this day with the UC, uh, unless there are title implications. If you 
are told you are going to fight for a title with a victory uh, in this main event. Make it five rounds. Other than that, doesn't need to be five rounds, in my opinion. I like Bellator having their three-round fights, main events. The fight last week could have been interesting as a... How many times have we seen consistently boring Bellator title fights that go five rounds? It seems like they're all boring. It seems like every time I'm tuning in to watch a Bellator five-round fight, it's just not good. Every time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, making all of them that way, uh, maybe not. Although that may fix some of the issue they have with, like, some of these cards that have people that don't belong anywhere near Bellator, much less on the main card on there, because then you could shorten the the card to four fights, potentially. I don't know. I, I, I don't like the idea of, of five rounds, though, unless it's something. Maybe make special circumstances, some special cases. Right now, they need to get a damn heavyweight champion and stop dicking around about that, like, like, get off your asses, guys. Like, it's been years. It's been, like, what, three years since they've had a Bellator title fight? And Scott Coker's saying, well, uh, right now, Minikov is just a Bellator fighter. He's not Bellator champion. Okay, well, it's been three and a half years. You've got a lot of heavyweights there. You've got Roy Nelson. You've got Javi Ayala. You've got Bobby Lashley. You have Fedor. You have Mitch Rione, You have Justin Rand. Get a Get a heavyweight title fight. Then talk about making these other changes. Do you not remember Bellator having tournaments back in the day where they would crown a champion or yeah. crown a contender? I mean, I'm surprised they don't just sit back for a moment and take a look at every single one of their divisions and quickly restructure their cards to say, we have X amount of divisions. We have X amount of champions in these divisions. They should be headlining every single one of our cards. So we are profiling our champions because the fact of the matter is, and I learned this a long time ago, way back in 2003, Sean Rossap, when I was with Apex Championship Fighting, we would have our sit-downs and we would discuss what we're doing for the next few cards. And it came to the realization, Alex Capricci, shout out to Alex Capricci, one of the best matchmakers ever uh, that doesn't get any love, said, you know what? That, you know what fans like? They like rivalries, and they like champions. Because the fact there's a title, they want to see if someone is going to keep that title, win that title, or whatever. People like champions. So I think Bellator simply just has to go back and say, okay, who are our champions? What are they doing? And why aren't they fighting? If not, let's get some champions. That way, every single title fight or every single event for Bellator will have a championship fight, perhaps. Yeah, they should. They should. They run so many shows. They have so many. Okay, so have, I've told you about that world of mixed martial arts game that I, I used to play where you play matchmaker and all that stuff. I love nothing more than to play as Bellator because it's more. It's a little more of a challenge to make interesting fights, but there's so much at your disposal. You can make fun fights there, and you build, you build up, you build up, you build up. They have so many like people that I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. I interviewed Ed Ruth this week, and he's a guy I'm interested in. He's on that show next week. Very excited about that. Uh, but they, they've got enough people to where they should have at least three fights minimum that make people go, that's interesting. It doesn't have to mean anything. Just interest people. That's it. Um, I want to bring this up. Let's see here. 
Dana White is saying that Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor blo- broke the global pay-per-view record at $6.7 million and set domestic records in the U.S., Australia, Canada, U.K., and Spain. Not surprised. That's pretty good. Yeah, knew it from day one. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, we, we talked about Vitor Belfort and Vanity Silva rematching in Bellator a long, long time ago. We knew the minute this money fight was put together, we went on a tirade explaining to people how big this fight was going to be. I mean, there's certain things when you've been around the game uh, or understand the game uh, of mixed martial arts and and boxing and combat sports and the pay-per-view model and how it works and promotion. You just, it was just way too obvious. Uh, You know, again, my litmus test is always not this screen we're talking to right now, Sean, when I step outside and I'm talking to, you know, the regular Joe in public, the average Joe in public, whether, uh, you know, it's at a soccer game, whether it's at the gas station, grocery store, and they come up to me. And if they ask me about a fight, and they're not really a hardcore mixed martial arts or boxing fan, could be any type of sport. But when they're talking to me about it, then I know there's, there's, you know, and multiple people are doing the same thing. That's my litmus test. That's when I know that they're going to be spending their Saturday night watching fights. And this money fight was nonstop. Everywhere I went leading up to August 26th, people were talking about it nonstop. This GSP fight, people are contacting me or asking me questions about. How is George going to do it? I guess. Yeah. Again, Canadian biased. I'm from Canada, blah, blah, blah. We all know that. But people are asking, how is he going to do? Can, can he beat Michael Bisping? And this is a gimme fight. This is not a gimme fight. This, he's going to get hurt. He's not going to get hurt. So people are talking. So I think there'll be some pretty good numbers for the George St. Pierre, uh, Michael Bisping fight based on my own personal litmus test. Is it going to be huge? Conor McGregor like? Uh, not sure, but we still have another week and a half to go. And we know starting next week, uh, or perhaps starting on Saturday show, I'm not going to get many numbers, but next week there's going to be a lot of commercials in my area, uh, television wise. Yeah. Uh, radio-wise, online, promoting the fact that George St. Pierre is returning to the Octagon after four years being off. I really think they should do that with more shows. You never know who could just hit. You just never know who could connect and really become that next giant star. Totally get it. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's, it depends. Listen, I get it. I mean, and, and I've explained it before here. Um, Dana White told myself, John Morgan, one time that every UFC event has its own P&L. Okay, it, it's 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 its own business. Okay, every UFC event is separate from the organization. So it's a business plan. gets put together. A budget is given to it. You have to make budget. Here's the expenses that are going to go towards marketing and advertising and stuff like that. Here's potential revenue that we think we're going to get. And then they close up shop. They close it up, I think, after 30 days, if I'm not mistaken. But each one has a specific P&L and how much money they're going to be spending. So, again, it's difficult when you think about who's on a card. But, you know, I, I had a conversation um with Elias Theodoro, uh, his management earlier this week, uh, or sorry, yesterday, uh, Monday, uh, and just in terms of talking about, you know, h- how much I think Elias Theodoro can be the next George St. Pierre for Canada, but he just needs to catch lightning in the bottle. Once it happens, his career takes off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the Elias thing, he's got to have exciting fights too. They, yeah. they got to have exciting fights this day and age. It's it's like that in wrestling. You used to be able to get over just on your personality, and some can, like, but you have to be able to connect in the ring, inside the cage, to some degree, but or else you'll be exposed. And 
that I mean, we saw it with Kamaru Usman. Like he's he knew that he had to get a finish, and he got one. And I saw his name a lot more after that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one guy's name who apparently never stops leaving the headlines. Every time we think he's gone, he's back in there. John Jones, uh, but this time courtesy of Kane Velasquez. Kane Velasquez uh, was in Korea. Um, and media scrum took place, and some weird questions were being asked. But one of them was asked about specifically, "Hey, man, what's your thoughts on John Jones and you know your training partner Daniel Cormier? Uh, you know John Jones and performance enhancing drugs." And and, and Kane Velasquez, who hates doing media, by the way, told me flat to my face, "I hate doing media. I like you, Joe, but I hate doing media." Okay, whatever. You saw his body language completely change, Sean, when the question was asked about John Jones, performance-enhancing drugs, and Daniel Cormier to the point where Cain Velasquez, who was sitting back just kind of like this or whatever, he leaned forward and looked the dude in the face that asked the question and proceeded to go on a rant talking about John Jones is cheating and how he wants it to be clean and stuff like that. I was like, whoa, okay, all right, somebody, Cain's pissed off here. I like it. What's going on? What did you think of it? He's Daniel Cormier's buddy. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought. Daniel Cormier, I think, is taking the right course of action and saying this could be an accident. Like Daniel, Daniel Cormier isn't counting his chickens before they hatch. He's saying, you never know. This could be an accident. He could be the world's like unluckiest guy, and it is possible. That would be such a John Jones thing. To be that unlucky at, at, at something after yeah almost almost a sense of karma after all the bad stuff he's done, but I understand Kane Velasquez's frustration because John Jones had people thinking that his main sparring partner should come up and run his division <laughs> because you know I don't know that Cormier beats Kane Vel- I don't know that Velasquez beats. Daniel Cormier, especially these days when Daniel Cormier, he actually fights. He gets in the cage and fights and shows up. How long has it been since Kane's fought again? I think we're coming up on a year, isn't it? Or maybe more? Probably more because he pulled out in December, right? UFC 200. UFC 200. Uh, Brock Lesnar has fought more recently than Kane Velasquez. Yeah, it's been a long time, son. July 2016 for Kane Velasquez. Before that, June 2015. Before that, October 2013. Yeah. Since uh, So in the past four years, he's fought three times. Four years. Uh, you know, I... I, I get why he was a little upset because, like I said, that that John Jones beating Daniel Cormier had a lot of people saying, Cormier, go up to heavyweight. Cormier, go up to heavyweight. And it had Cormier thinking about it. Yeah. Like, Very he true. was considering it. So, I mean, I understand his frustration. And because you know, I'm sure he's legitimately concerned because Cormier is his buddy. I mean, after my talk with uh, Luke Bernardi, who we had on the show, uh, if those haven't seen the uh, the full interview, I'm pretty sure we have it up on the site. But Luke Bernardi went into detail uh, about performance-enhancing drugs, the type of steroids that he sees, uh, not just in mixed martial arts, but in sports in general, especially in the fitness world. Uh, and he says he knew right off the bat what he, what John Jones potentially would have taken uh, when this happened. And lo and behold, that's the the the, the drug that came out. 
Um, I learned a lot about performance enhancing drugs in that interview with Luke, uh, who I still talk to to this day on just, just other things. Um, but there's always something inside of me. And again, it's going to come to the point where people are like, shut up, Joe. You're too nice of a guy. You're giving people too many to benefit the doubt. I can see Pearson right now probably chiming in, just yelling and screaming at his screen. Shut up, Joe. John Jones is a cheater. John Jones, and, and just going on and on and on and on and on and on. You get used to it. Accept it, Joe. But can you just imagine, just for the sake of argument, if it was a tainted supplement, if it's John Jones, if, if it's just bad luck, you know, you, you can never say that possibility is not there, despite the fact that there's a good chance that it's not. But can you just imagine, Sean? Can you just imagine? Yeah, I could imagine. I absolutely could imagine it. And it's just like the thing is, like people, we have Vinny Fernando in the chat saying proven cheater, DQ'd from being the goat. No, he's not a proven cheater yet. Like he very well could be shortly. But he's not proven yet. He still has his course of action that he's able to take. And until then, anything is possible. Uh, As it pertains to last year, I feel like that could have been an accident. Uh, This year, there are some some interesting situations that that have arisen from this. And Luke Bernardi's talked about it. And Jeff Davidsky's talked about it. We'll see how it plays out. But, like, I'm not ready to slam the door on him yet. Like, he just could be – the world's unluckiest dude after all this. Now it's tough to say that that's, and as Stone Osborne says, it's a hard drug to accidentally ingest. Yeah, it is. It is. But we've seen some weird stuff happen. We've seen like, Hey, Clint Buterol got like in all the meat in China. So, uh, weird things can happen. Speaking of weird things can happen, um, when the greatest of all time, in my opinion, or one of the goats, decides to pick up a human being after three, four rounds of competing in action, pick up a human being and in midair slap an armbar on him and then leaves the fight not really looking like he got into a fight, lends credence to a lot of things in mixed martial arts. goes back to an old Henzo Gracie seminar I was at back in the late 90s when, when someone asked him, you know, about fighting in general and blah, blah. And Henzo Gracie said, the only person that can slap me or punch me in the face is my mom. Other than that, no one's going to punch me or slap me in the face because I'm going to do anything and everything I can to not get punched. I'm going to avoid any sort of contact. And as we go on in this, this mixed martial arts journey, uh, of time since 1993 when it first debuted in November of 1993. We're starting to see more guys or slowly more people talk about, I ain't getting hit. And Demetrius Johnson's secret to longevity has always been, I ain't getting hit. I don't want people to talk about my career and say, man, you are such an awesome fighter. You had wars and, and whatnot. And he's like, I don't want people talking about me like that. I want people to say, you know, you took no damage and you won fights. So Demetrius Johnson is all about not taking, not getting punched in the face, not getting concussions, all about not taking any damage whatsoever, and just doing whatever he can to avoid punishment, give that punishment, submit people or tap people out or knock people out. When I used to get back in the gym, I'd be like, "Gotta spar, gotta spar, gotta spar." Not anymore, man. Like, because I'm 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 not Demetrius Johnson. I can't avoid getting hit like he can. Good for him. I hope he fights until he's forty and doesn't get hit. Because you never know what that like, Joe. We we go train at the gym. We get hit. We might be out of. We can't work. If I can't talk into this camera and have my faculties about me, which sometimes I don't, <laughs> or write, 
that's it. Demetrius Johnson's job is to not get hit and uh, to extend his employ. He has to avoid getting hit. I think that putting the focus on defense is is very good. He should. I'm, I'm glad he's doing it. I'm sure that it's something that Anderson Silva would have said a long time ago too if he did a little more media. But getting hit is not fun, and he is really, really, really good at not getting hit among the best ever. Like he always looks fresh in there. Like every time he leads a fight, he looks like he could just fight another one, both like on his face and as it pertains his his conditioning. He's great. Like and he's he's just next level like as it pertains to intelligence and being ahead of the game and stuff like that. If he could just if the marketing and all that stuff could just come together. Hey, hey you know what? It's it's a bummer that a lot of people don't know and enjoy him, but I'll enjoy him. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, speaking of of stuff in your face, the sun has finally come out here in, uh, in the Toronto region. It's <laughs> right in my face right now, so I apologize if I, if it's just glaring nonstop. I do apologize to everyone uh, that is tuned in right now live on on the, on the YouTube channel. Don't forget, guys, uh, give us a like. Give us some love. Follow us on social media at Showdown Joe, at Sean Rossap, at Fightful MMA, at Fightful Online. Do not, under any circumstances, forget the challenge that we offer you every single week when you watch Holy Smokes every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Get on social media. Tell a fighter. Someone mentioned Joe Lozon. I'll get a hold of Joe Lozon. I'll get a hold of Joe Lozon. But so, just get on there. Contact your favorite fighter or any fighter you think that should be on the show with Sean Ross Sapp and I. CC us at Sean Ross Sapp, at Showdown Joe. Tell them, hey, we would love to see you join Sean Ross Sapp and Showdown Joe on the Holy Smokes podcast. Just do it, and I'll get a hold of them, and we'll get something done. Because I'm always talking and, and, and searching with guys and checking out their schedule. Uh, I had an interview earlier today. Uh, I don't know if I can mention it, Sean. I'll let you mention it if you have Yeah, it. yeah. Dustin Poirier, it's going to go up this week. Uh, there were some connection issues, but, yeah, there are uh... – we're, we're going to run some stories on it still. Dustin Poirier and I connected earlier this morning. We were supposed to connect yesterday. Issues last week, this week. Finally got a hold of them today, and the connection was a bit of a disaster on Dustin's part. But that's okay. Uh, that's what happens when you're in Florida. You know, you're outside your pad and stuff like that. But uh, interesting words. We are able to use uh, audio interviews, too. We've started doing that on the, the list and your boy. So we'll just throw a graphic up there and... Uh, run audio because I know UFCs all the time feeding Joe possible interview subjects. So that's that's an option too. But yeah, follow us at Fightful Online Cross Platform. Give us a like on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe here on YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up. Let people know about the podcast. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. As I always say, follow individual community guidelines as you do so. You can subscribe to us on Player FM, on Stitcher, on iTunes, all that good stuff too. We've seen a major jump in our wrestling podcast numbers over the past week. I've been doing occasional news updates on on that. This weekend we have coverage of the Anthony Joshua fight. We have coverage of UFC Sao Paulo. Lots of stuff going on this weekend, even though it's a quiet wrestling weekend. I probably will release that uh, DDP interview in full that aired on the list and your boy. So uh, you have that to look forward to, too, because we don't use all the footage that Joe gets for Holy Smokes. We don't use all the footage that I get for interviews on the list and your boy. So you can find those full interviews over at the Fightful.com YouTube 
And of course, go over to FightfulPods.com. Use our forums at Fightful.com. Anything you all want in a site, we will make it happen. <laughs> Look at Mate saying, Showdown Joe looks like he's ascending to heaven with that light. Jesus. Oh. Literally. <laughs> That is too funny. And now it's starting to go down, thankfully. But this is the time of the day where my office, the way, or my, my home office where it's facing, dude, I get to, I have to draw the blinds down. Like it just gets so hot in here. So, but yeah, another fun show. Don't forget, guys, I got some stuff coming out. Um, two articles coming out this week. Of course, my fun bets article for the UFC or my fun bets video for UFC Sao Paulo will be coming out on Friday. Uh, I'm looking at some of these odds and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. There could be some money <laughs> to be made here. Uh, the all time, I tell people all the time, Sean, I'm not saying you got to put money down. I'm saying if you want to have fun, you, you could put a couple of bucks down. You could put 10 bucks down. You could put 100 bucks down. Whatever you're comfortable. But sometimes just a little bit of money, have some fun. I love doing it uh, with my own friends here and there. I enjoy doing it because sometimes I see something there and it's just like there's times that I've hit uh, on a fun bet that I can screw up the next five weeks of fun bets and I'm perfectly fine because my balance stays in tow. So, uh, But then you get the odd thing like what happened with Aspen Ladd. I'm, so, I'm not over it, Sean. I'm not over it. Aspen Ladd, I told everyone she's going to take Lena Landsberg down to the ground. She's not going to want to stand and bang with her uh, and she will work for a finish on the ground. And I said, don't be surprised if it's a submission. Of course she gets the finish on the ground with a TKO. <laughs> so Aspen Ladd, if you're watching this, I'm still not over it. A great job in the victory. Guys, as always, Fightful.com. It's the place to be. Hit us up. Showdown Joe. Sean Ross Sapp. Fightful Online. Until next time, guys, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.